Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm excited to welcome two guests, Gabby Wilkinson and Ophia Menache, respectively CEO and CTO of Biocastle Water Technologies. Biocastle is an environmental biotechnology company that develops and markets an intriguing yet fascinating technology that encapsulates nature. In this week's episode, you'll surprise yourself feeling emotions for bacteria. Actually, Gabby and Ophir will tell us how they developed the smallest bioreactor in the world and how its simplicity makes it a perfect fit for multiple wastewater treatment applications. They will share with us how they might be considered as bacteria breeders and how all that story starts with an almost midlife crisis for Ophir and pressing fish farming challenges for Gabby. Throughout our conversation, we'll address the hurdles of starting commercial expansion in the middle of a pandemic, how shelving bacteria opens a whole new world of targeted actions, how the adoption curve can be challenging for a young water treatment company, and so much more. But right before we get to the bottom of it, I need you. We are nearing the end of this podcast season two, and it's been a fantastic ride as we are approaching the 200,000 combined views for this season alone. Yet, I'd like season three to be even more helpful, interesting, and interactive. And this starts with you. You'll find a link to a short survey in the show notes. Trust me, it would help me tremendously if you took just a couple of minutes to fill it out to thank you for your answers. You'll also have a chance to participate in a draw and three of you will receive a nice little personalized present from me. Just check out the link. Everything is explained there. Please do it and I'll meet you on the other side. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Ophir. Welcome to the show. Hello. Well, it's not every day that I have the chance to speak with two guests. So we have two guests today for the price of one. So wonderful. <laughs> Let me start with a, with a postcard and actually, of course, with two postcards. And the first postcard comes from Beersheva. And that's you, Ophir. What can you tell us about your place? Oh, Beersheva is in uh, South South states of Israel in the Negev, where this is a desert area. It's a nice place. Uh, my parents live here, so I visit them right now. So I guess in a desert place, you probably have water stories. We're, we're going to dig a bit deeper into that in a second. But you, Gabi, you are in Modin, and you said there's a lot of history there. Yeah, a lot of history here, a lot of ancient uh, digs. We're smack in the middle between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. It's a fairly new city. 20 years, maybe. When I was preparing for, for that discussion, I was looking at both of your paths, and um, I was wondering what brought you together, what made you cross your lines, and you gave me a little glimpse into that, Gabby, some seconds ago, and that has to do with, with fishes. So what's the story? It's a wonderful story, actually. For the past 10 years, we've been working, I've been working in uh, the fish uh, industry, trying to initiate and initiating actually uh, different types of uh, recycling aquaculture systems 
fish farms, recycling the water. And we built one of the biggest fisheries in the world, actually. Today, we're growing uh, Barramundi. It's uh, about 20 minutes south of where Ophir is located at the moment. And through trying to initiate fish farms or RAS systems in the world, I came to the conclusion that we need to find a technology that would be fit for uh, recycling the water in the fish system, but fit for smaller growers, traditional growers. Because today, if we look at RAS, at that industry, then we see that all the systems are very big. Because in order to be uh, profitable, in order to make an efficient system, you need to grow large amounts of fish. And all the traditional growers that used to grow fish in their backyard uh, stopped growing their fish because of all kinds of uh, sustainable issues or economical issues. And that's when uh, we found uh, Ophir's technology the SBP capsules, which we'll talk a lot more soon. But what we did was uh, we took the technology and we built a small fish farm inside a caravan. And we actually grew sea bream. It's a seawater fish from a very small fingerling, about a half a gram, all the way to 500 grams. And it was very, very good. (laughs) I mean, the chef that we brought it to really liked it and it was a good process. So we learned a lot out of that. And uh, today we are taking that forward now in a separate company. So it starts with a good process and a good fish. And in that story of here, you're the technical guy. So you came with that SPP, which is the small bioreactor platform. And we're going to dig a bit deeper into that in a second. But how did you get interested in that technical aspect of things? Oh, well, this is a different story. First of all, I remember the meeting with Gabby. It was uh, three years ago. This meeting, I'm really remembering it. We sit in uh, Tel Aviv, in, uh, in Azraeli Towers, and we, we will talk about the technology. And then Gabby tell me that he thinks that the technology might solve a major problems in uh, recirculated aquaculture systems. And from that point, we were going together. And so this is the story about me and Gabby and about the technology. It's, I think it's all started when I was at age 34 and decided to do my PhD studies, just changing, you know, changing the way in the middle of life, you want to do something else. I want to change to do something like an entrepreneurship to invent something that will be useful. So I left everything in my life and started to learn in the university to conduct a PhD uh, studies at uh, the Faculty of Biotechnology Engineering at the Technion, Israel Institute of Technology. And I I was feeling very old (laughs) because all around me was uh, young people and I was the older one, the older guy. I finished at age 38, about 2009, and in Israel there was a significant crisis in water. We still did not have desalination process. And we have a lot, a sequence of draft. And once I said that I want to cooperate with the the water industry, and I am a microbiologist, it's immediately taking me into the direction of water and wastewater treatment. So I started to check how this work working, how this technology working. And I look at the literature and I found that everything is well known. You you have a lot of bacteria know how to degrade it, everything almost. 
every contaminant that we know, even absorbing radioactive elements. And this is really was depressing because I said to me, okay, what I can contribute to the world at this, at this point? And I asked my friend, which is uh, uh, water engineering, and I tell him, tell me about what you, you are seeing in the water industry. Does it, it's really significant as the academic literature is describing this world that we have all the solution, everything is good? And he said, far away. The academic is just providing some data, but you cannot implement it into the industrial world. Now, at this point, I understood that we have a technology gap between academic and the industrial sector. And at that point, I understood that if I will find a technology that will bridging this gap, perhaps I have, uh, I have a place in this world of entrepreneurship. And I dig in more about, okay, wh- what happened? Wh- why it's not working? And he told me that once you are, there is a wonderful bacteria that know what to do in everything. But once you are putting inside the wastewater treatment plant, it's vanished. It's diluted. It's eaten by other microorganisms. It's not adapted. And it's vanished. It's not working. So in a petri dish, it might work. But once you take it to a huge water body, it's vanished. You don't have the capability to, to use it. This is the, the start point that I figure what is the problem here. If anyone wants to feel like, you know, empathy towards a bacteria, You can go to Biocastle's, um, so your company's website, and I found, you know, you have this video of that, that poor bacteria, which is, which is just perfect, which is doing its work. And then th- there's this, this devil predator who, who comes and eats that bacteria. And I'm like, no, no, please don't kill the bacteria. I, I never thought um, I was going to feel something for a bacteria. And then I saw that video. So sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but, but that was something I wanted to share. <laughs> It's really true what you're saying, because I feel the same. And I said, okay, let, let's try to figure the bacteria like a man. If you want to employ someone, you need to provide him some security. You need to provide him some condition that he will be able to work properly. And we don't provide it. Now, the second thing, after I figured that, I understood that I need to invent something that will protect, will provide a castle to protect those bacteria that I want to use. Now, this is, was the invention. It was not simple because at that time, I was thinking about only how to wrap it with a microfiltration membrane. Well, microfiltration membrane is a physical separation. It's kind of shit with holes, little holes that is smaller than the bacteria itself. So it's not allowing the bacteria to transverse, but it's uh, allowing other components, which is smaller than the bacteria, to get out and in. Okay, and at that time, there was only a membrane that's like a paper, like a paper sheet. And I need something structural. So this is what was the invention itself, to create something spherical, uh, structural, and the bacteria will be inside. It's very interesting because you, you reversed engineered microfiltration or ultrafiltration because usually you have that separation step, which is meant to take out the bacteria of the water and to clean the water. And you said, no, wait, I don't want to take the bacteria out of the water. I want to protect the, bat- the bacteria. And by the way, now I get your name, Biocastle, because you're building a castle for the bacteria. 
and you protect the bacteria, I mean the good bacteria, from the bad bacteria so that they can do their work while water is still flowing through your castle, which is here more a capsule. Absolutely, you're right. We are protecting the bacteria, but not a usual bacteria, not a natural bacteria that is growing inside a wastewater treatment plant, but a bacteria that a special bacteria that we are using, which can be not growing inside the wastewater treatment plant. But this bacteria have the capability to degrade it, contaminate industrial contaminants such as phenols, such as uh, fat and oils, such as uh, benzene and other components, which the bacteria inside the wastewater treatment plant are not able to do that. And the idea is to have a sufficient biomass in order to conduct this process, to conduct this treating process. Now, if I return back to my story, I created a castle around the bacteria. And I said, wait, I have a castle now. I can bring some furniture inside. I can bring some nutrients. I can bring other things that may accelerate all the process and make the home better for the bacteria. And at that point, I understood that I built the smallest bioreactor in the world. Actually, it's like I took a wastewater treatment plant and shrink it into one capsule about 2.5 centimeter long. This was the idea. So basically, it sounds to me a bit like a moving bed by a reactor, an MBBR, but just the other way around. So it's not a chip where you grow the biofilm on the chip. It's a chip where you grow the biofilm within the chip. Within the chip. And that way, you have a controlled environment. Absolutely right. However... When you are using a biofilm on the field with the MBBR, you don't have the control what, which type of bacteria you have there. Here we have the control which type of bacteria we can introduce inside a capsule. We not, not, not only have the control of which type of the bacteria, we have the control of the bacteria concentration, how much bacteria we're putting inside the wastewater treatment plant. It's according how many capsules we put in. And also the position, because they are very big, Particle 2.5 is a big particle, and we put it inside the perforated cages. We also have the capability to control the position of the implementation of the biomass. This makes us enable to create a new treatment process, and this is the innovation actually, especially for the industry, for the industry itself. Now, if I may, I, I will explain what I mean. For instance, if, if an industrial client wants to induce a biological treatment, what he's doing today, he needs to grow in a biomass. He needs to separate it with, with the sedimentation tank. He needs to circulate it back to the bioreactor, and he needs to deal with the waste sludge. Actually, he needs a wastewater treatment plant, isn't it? With our technology, the SBP technology, you need only one chamber, the bioreactor, because the biomass already separated from the effluents. So you don't need the sedimentation tank. You don't have a waste sludge because all our biomass is occluded inside. So actually you need only one chamber and you don't need to operate because the capsule lifespan is a two months. You only need to add a new amount of capsule. So this is a huge progress for the industrial sector the water industrial sector. There's many things to uncover in what you just said. Let's start with the end, actually. You say that you're turning basically a CapEx topic, which is a have-to-have 
a sedimentation step. I need to have a lot of things in, in, in my plant, the recirculation, I mean, everything you just listed. And you're turning that into an OPEX question, which is every two months, my capsules are done. My bacteria have eaten everything they can eat. I need to replace them. But probably that means that you also have a balance to find between, because in, in some cases, if the water is very easy to treat, probably your highly targeted capsules might be a, an overkill. I'm trying to find the, the pitfall here to be a bit the, the devil's advocate. You're forgetting though, that if you do have all the steps and you don't use the biocastle solution, then you anyway have your operational uh, expenses. So you have to deal with your waste sludge and you have the electricity, and you have your professional uh, experts that need to deal with it, whereas we are lowering those operational costs, even with the capsules, because you don't have the, a need for the manpower that you need in a bigger system. The amount of oxygen that you're going to have to push into the uh, chambers is going to be less. The space that you're going to save, and on and on. That's a very interesting point. So sorry to cut you. The manpower, because that, that was something that really impressed me in your various uh, literature and marketing support, but also in what you just said, is that it sounds very easy. So um, I need probably less knowledgeable manpower. Exactly. Is that right? Or That's exactly right. You don't have to run the facility on a daily basis. You don't have to have the people running the facility. It runs by itself. You have to come in and make the water checks like anyone has to do in any system. But besides that, periodically you're adding in capsules. That's all you're doing. Nothing more. No trucks coming in and out to take the sludge away. No, no, no crazy infrastructure that you have to deal with and maintain. No, and I, I'm going to keep my... Because, you know, I'm, I'm a bit too enthusiastic about your solution, so I have to be really the devil advocate here. I would see probably a scale effect because on lower size infrastructure your solution sounds like like really genius you you don't need to have the skilled people around the plant you just pour in the the, the right encapsulated bacteria into into your wastewater and just every two months you, you, you renew them but on a bigger scale of course, you're always going to have scavengers and bad bacteria that, that eat the good bacteria, but you also have the good bacteria that reproduce themselves in a huge tank. So you don't, you have less investment into, uh, into that biomass. So I could see probably a limit, an upper limit where both curves cross. Is that fair? You're right. You're right. Uh, there is some limit. However, when you're talking about large infrastructure, what we can do is improve their work, their capability to degrade it. For instance, if your wastewater treatment plants have a limit capability of a daily organic matter that's running inside, we can increase it up to by 20%. So we can work as an additive treatment, not stand alone as we described before. Now we can work as an additive treatment and increase the treatment yield meaning that you can extract much more from your infrastructure with our technology. I'd like to come back to something you said earlier, which was that nature is, is well done and that there's a bacteria to treat any kind of pollutant. Does that mean that you, you act like a chef? You look at what's the problem and then you find the exact good receipt of bacteria and you put the right bacteria in that water? 
Yeah, you can see that like that is we we can see it almost like uh, pharmaceuticals that you have a lots of blends of materials that you can see what the problem is and we can choose which type of bacteria to introduce. Sometimes we are using several types of bacteria, several types of capsules to put inside. Think about it, that each capsule types or bacteria types providing us independent biodegradable process, one process. And we can develop a lot of parallel processes, treatment processes. So we have unlimited power now. And how do your bacteria react to sudden changes in, in the effluent? If there's something which they are not designed for, how do, do, do they deal with that? Well, this is a very good question because we thought about it at the beginning and the design of the capsule. And the capsule, the, sometimes the bacteria inside, they have several components Do you remember that uh, we are also providing the furniture, for instance, inside? So some of the bacteria inside, they have a place to develop a biofilm inside. So if the environment is still hostile and you have antibacterial agent inside the water and they might reduce the bacteria inside the capsule, so you have inoculate. You can inoculate it again, the capsule, with the biofilm. And we have another components, which not all the time I reveal, that reduce the toxicity of the environment and increases the compatibility of the environment to the bacteria itself. So it's well-equipped castle. Is your castle reusable? No. It comes in a dry state where the bacteria is dormant, when it's not active. Once you put it in the water, all the particles become alive. So once you put it in the water, you cannot transfer it back into a dry state to inactive state. So at that point, you have about two months of bio, small bioreactor to use. So does that make you people that treat water or does that make you people that, that breed bacteria? <laughs> that's, that's nice. Gabby, you want to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's both. <laughs> There's no way to go around it. I think that even though in an MBR or a sludge uh, treatment, uh, you're breeding bacteria. <laughs> It's the same thing. <laughs> What's beautiful in my eyes as someone who's not from the industry is to see how nature works in any case. All of a sudden, it occurred to me that the bacteria itself is already in the water with our help or without our help. Now, the question is, how much we uh, breed it, like you say, in order to create more and more in order for it to treat the water. Problem is that we have no control. And with the SBP capsules, we gain control. And once we gain control, we can minimize the amount of bacteria we need in the water. And if you minimize the amount of bacteria, then you're saving a lot. You're saving manpower, you're saving electricity, you're saving on expenses, you're saving on space, you're saving on everything. Actually, now we can bioengineering the aquatic environment in the mean of microbiology and the engineering process itself. I also saw something which, uh, which is interesting because you, you mentioned that the literature says that everything is done about bacteria and still you, you have some experimental bacteria. So I was wondering if maybe new compounds means new, new treatment that you, you need to put in face of those new compounds. How do you develop those? First, do you develop new, new bacteria? I mean, probably not out of the blue. You, you select the right ones 
but how important is it to uh, to keep adapting your bacteria to new types of pollutions? Well, we're talking about mainly in industrial pollutions that bacteria, most of the, some of the bacteria are not familiar, especially those that you are using in sanitary wastewater treatment plant, in domestic one. They no, don't have the time to biodegrade the bacteria itself, or they, they still don't know the contaminant itself in order to break it down. What we are using, we are using an isolate bacteria from these industrial zones that's also already been exposed to the contaminant or to the or to the compound that we want to break it down. So they have all the mechanisms how to break it down and and those bacteria we are putting inside the capsule itself. So I think it's it's very clear to me how that works in, on the technical side. I mean it's very clear because it's, it sounds also very simple, which is of course a, a strong benefit of your solution. Let's talk a bit about business. Let's say I'm I'm your ideal customer. So uh, first tell me, who, who am I? Who is your uh, ideal customer? What is the, the sweet spot for your technology? Well, I think we should start by understanding that we treat uh, biological contaminants. We treat organic matter in the water. So until we reach the stage of needing to treat uh, lowering BOD, that's where we are. So we would be looking at uh, if we're talking about sanitary, so obviously most of the uh, treatment in the sanitary or utilities, it's called, would be uh, biological, and we can we have a lot of added value to those uh, customers, uh, whether it be uh, upgrading, scaling up their capacity, or uh, helping them uh, reach uh, solutions for specific contaminants, getting better uh, better results in their uh, treatment, sharpening their treatment. The other type of uh, customer would be the industrial who has to treat its uh, water biologically. And you're talking about food and beverage, microelectronics that use a lot of water. And uh, most of the industry, even turns out most of the industry uses water. What is your ratio between new plants and upgrading existing plants? I think that at the moment, we're talking about two types of customers that are turning to us. One type has uh, existing plants, but needs to upgrade what they have. So they'll treat their water till, till they get to uh, a certain rate, and then they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it's just too much for them for, for what they have. So they're left with these big bodies of water that they can't really discharge and they're waiting for it to evaporate or for the uh, contaminants to kind of dissolve by themselves, get out of the water by itself. The other type is, I would call it, there would be industrialists that have solutions that they're not happy with and need to do something, uh, look a little differently at what they have. And I think that what's driving things forwards are regulations. All of a sudden, the states are coming after the industrialists and saying, this is not good enough anymore. We need to uh, get better results in your wastewater. And they're left with the question, okay, what do I do now? And our solution is very good for them because it means that they don't have to go into these uh, crazy investments, building uh, big uh, facilities. We fiddle around a little bit with what they have and create, like Ophir said before, uh, new processes for them in order for them to reap their uh, their needs. 
we've seen that those new processes might be easier and that's uh, a way to facilitate the operation of the plant. But how does that relate to automation? Because I guess it's it's a cool thing if it's easier, but if it's automated, I, I guess it's the next step. How do you automate your plant? Is it like two months sharp that a capsule can last in water? Or does that have something to do with, with loads coming into the wastewater treatment step? Do you have any means to measure how much the, the, the capsule could still be treating in the future? How do you automate your plant? Yeah, that's very, very interesting question because we need experience in order, lots of projects to know exactly how much time the capsule will survive in the water because you have a shear force you have, uh, with uh, uh, other forces that working in, against the capsules and you have all the acidity in the water, level acidity and other chemical elements. According to our experience, uh, the capsules are stay about two months in the water, working good. We don't see any physical damage to the capsule. This is very easy because you see them cracked or, or breaking down. And this is how they, they finish their lifespan. And there is another thing that's very nice because the membrane itself is made of cellulose, cellulose acetate, which is a kindly biodegradable. So we don't leave any fingerprint in the, in the environment. So the capsule end their life and the particles are going through the water and breaking down by downstream. So all our operational is very simple. We don't need to exclude the old capsule and put uh, and in return put the new one. We only need to add a new capsule. And this is make the operational much more easy and the environmental impact much more uh, better. I'm glad you made that precision because I was imagining, you know, PVDF uh, membranes uh, left in water. So talking of microplastics, that would have been kind of awful. Absolutely. So, but it's cellulose yeah. acetate. So, uh, so here you have, you have, yeah, you're leveraging nature once more. So you control acidity. So you control pH. What else do you control? No, we don't. We don't have the the possibility to control acidity in the water because it's a very large water body. It's uh, it requires a lot of chemicals. We are trying to adapt the bacteria into the environment as much as we can. Sometimes it needs to challenge by itself. There is a wide range of the bacteria that it it's can challenge. It's most of the bacteria. It's uh, from the range of of five point five pH into nine point five. So it's very wide range. If it's industrial, it's and we have an acidic influence. We are saying to the industrial client that you need to have a pre-treatment. One of the pre-treatment is to stabilize the pH into this range that we are talking about. Gabby, you wanted to add something here? Yeah, I just wanted to add about the automation uh, part that you would ask yourself, okay, so how do you know exactly when the capsules break down and when you have to add in more? The procedure is very easy. What we do is we just add a, uh, half of the amount of the capsules that you actually need once a month. And then if you know that they break down every two months, you're never going to be in lack of bacteria in the water. And in that point, you are gaining two different sludge age inside the capsule, a young one and an old one with their advantages. So all okay care for the automation part. Coming back to, to the business model, how, how is your business model working? Is it like a subscription model? I subscribe to, to BioCastle and every month I get my new capsules, which I into water 
Well, what's nice about the capsules is that they have a long shelf life as long as they're dry. So you don't have to bring in an order once a month and wait for the capsules to come in and be worried that you're not going to get supply. You can supply yourself for the next five years uh, with capsules as far as we're concerned and just leave them in the storage and, and use them as you need. Uh, we have clients that are interested in putting uh, capsules on their shelves just for safety reasons. In case they have some kind of hazard in the water, they can just add the capsules in and, and know that they're, that they're safe. Another thing that's very nice about it is the flexibility. We've had people say to us, uh, well, if we uh, start working with the capsules, now we're stuck. We have to work with you now for years. And I used to say, why do you have to work with us for years? If you're not happy, you can stop tomorrow. However, if you buy a device for a million dollars, now what are you going to do? Then you're stuck for years with a device that you spent a million dollars on. With us, as long as you're happy, you treat, we treat your water and we get paid for it. You buy capsules. That's it. It's very, very simple, straightforward, flexible, and not uh, what we call a Catholic marriage. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. On, on the other end, if uh, if they leveraged um, the added value of your system and, and just build a simple and single tank, and now they want to get rid of your, your solution, well, they need to, to build the full plants. But Yeah, I mean, if you treat the water, you treat the water. So, yeah. <laughs> no, just to say, I'm still trying to keep my, my, my devil's advocate hat on a bit. So they, they postpone the investment. It's just postponing the investment. The investment will have to come in now or tom tomorrow or the next day. Or not at all if you continue working with our treatment. How close are you to membrane manufacturers? Because, you know, I had on, on that microphone, Harris uh, Karispaik from LickTech, who was mentioning that they were working on a way to add a layer of biology on top of, of the membrane, so to add the biology outside of the, the, the hardware membrane. I know that companies like Aquaporin are, are doing similar stuff. You're taking the opposite route. You're putting a biological layer within the membrane. I'm just wondering if there are some, some synergies there to leverage between what they are looking at and what you are looking at. Most of the, of, of the technology people ask me, about the clotting of the membrane, if there is any possibilities of clotting the membrane by creating a biofilm above the membrane surface. And I tell them that the membrane, our membrane is uh, having a strong negative charge or strong negative zeta potential, which means it's rejecting a biofilm formation because the biofilm itself, it's also having a negative charge. So, we don't actually see any growth of biofilm on the surface of the capsule. But you didn't ask me about that. You asked me about a different thing. And no, we don't have currently any connection with other membrane companies or collaboration in that case. So how would you grow your solution from there? Because it sounds like so easy. I mean, I'm, I'm even surprised that it's not really that subscription model because I, I would clearly see that, you know, I have a pond with uh, 15 fish just uh, beyond my house, I would say, hey, I take the, your XXXXS subscription and uh, I get my, my, my 12 capsules every month and I'm very happy about that. But how do you grow from your, your position today? How international are you and how international do you expect to be? And is sky the limit? I think the major problem with what you're talking about a subscription is that every body of water is different. 
And then each one is a tailor-made. So it's not like I can say, okay, you buy the subscription and you're set for life. It doesn't, just doesn't work like that in this industry. And therefore, you need to have a setup of engineers to back up the solution for each uh, customer. We actually uh, started our uh, commercial life uh, at the end of last year and decided to uh, go international uh, slowly. But it wasn't wor- it's not working too well for us because the international companies are asking for help in different uh, aspects. And, and we find ourselves working uh, in Spain, in China, uh, in Greece, and in other places. So our business model is actually to, uh, we're looking for representatives abroad. We have our eyes set on a few but there's nothing that we are uh, 100% uh, settled on. In the meantime, we're taking care of the individual clients that we're starting to work with, and uh, we'll evolve from there. It was probably not the the easiest year to start shipping commercially worldwide when the full world is in lockdown. So (laughs) I guess that doesn't help. But you you mentioned something very interesting about it's not like you, you set it for once and then nothing happens because we are dealing with natural stuff which might be drifting over time does that mean that you you take some samples on a regular basis that your clients send to you so that you tell them oh you're using the red capsules you should take two additional green ones and two i'm putting stupid colors on it i guess you have scientific names for that how does that work yeah i will answer for that uh first of all they have a water analysis uh data we are asking for the water analysis data and try to understand what is the data that that they providing what are the problem is secondly we are asking for the process itself what the infrastructure what is the operational activity the hydraulics everything we are actually learning about how they treat the water how the client treat the water the second stage is to ask the client what he want to achieve what is expectation from us. You want to reduce nitrogen, you want to reduce COD, you want you want to increase capability of his, his infrastructure. After we are decided what is the, the treatment target, then we can start to think about our solution, how we tailor-made our solution to his existing process. And I've seen a couple of studies on your website so scientific studies about combination of treatments do you have like a preferred cousin or sister or a brother treatment which your capsules work smoothly and synergistically with yes actually let's go to the basic we are working side by side with activated sludge for instance this is one technology the other one is that we are trying to combine our technology with other treatments such as uh, UV radiation, physical or advanced oxidative processes in order to increase and accelerate it, the biodegradation of compounds, especially the, the hard biodegradable one. And now there is another thing that is very interesting today because nowadays the analysis, the water analysis get a huge progress. And now we are starting to understand that we have a small amounts of compounds, we call them micropollutants, 
that although that they have a very small amount in the water, their impact uh, upon the public health and nature are significant. I will give you an example. For instance, hormones, sex steroidal hormones, that we are all secreted inside, into the, our sewage, it's go into the water, fish, and ambience, filling only five nanogram per liter, which is, it's nothing. And they all started to transform from males into females. That's when we are ending or hurting all the next generation. And, and hormones and sex steroidal hormones are working on the part of the DNA. So they can influence the expression of the DNA. So this is only one example. The other example is pharmaceuticals. For instance, if we, we take Berlin, a few years ago, there was a Vasa Berlin for conference. They're talking about gabapentin. It's anti-convalescent uh, medicine, and they already have it inside the tap water. So the next generation of treatment will be micropollutant. There is two countries, almost three, that already have a regulation. And those are Switzerland and California. And I think Germany is get, getting inside there. And now we need to know, to figure how to treat it. And probably it will be in two sides. One side will be in, at the end of the domestic wastewater treatment plants. And the other one in the origin of contamination, for instance, in pharmaceutical industry. And I think this is, this is the future of the treatment of water, of water treatment in this industry. And we are, of course, applying to this direction. Actually, it's very interesting you, that, that you, you mentioned micropollutants. Uh, don't get me started on the micropollutants, because if you do so, we are there for two other hours. But uh, when we were making some, I used to be part of, of research programs. You mentioned Switzerland to be a, a forward-looking country and uh, was involved actually in, in, the, in the first projects they were in, in Switzerland to treat micropollutants. And we made some studies and we, we found out that, you know, the, the biological step in the wastewater treatment plant is already eliminating 40 to 60 percent of the micropollutants but a good portion of those are not really eliminated they are transferred into the sludge and depending on what you do with the sludge you might be putting those micropollutants back in the environment at some point so i clearly see here a first advantage is that if you get rid of the sludge because everything is put into uh, inside a capsule then uh, probably you're, you're already solving one first part of, of the problem and the second thing is that if we were treating only 60 persons through the, the microbial, I mean, the, the biological step, what about the 40? Right. it wasn't really targeted at certain pathogens or certain micropollutants. And now if you pour in your approach, which is to say, I can have that specific bacteria, which is looking at that specific problem, that changes the, the, the paradigm. And you mentioned that you're involved in, in research projects. Is there something you can already talk about here or... Is it something which has address in the future? I can disclose something. We started to develop this process on uh, 2016. We were starting to target sex or murder uh, hormones, steroidal hormones as a, a model for micropollution. When we're consulting with very senior engineers, they said we don't have any chance because there is a competition. And I, I asked him, what, what do you mean about competition, about between the bacteria? And say, no, no, not between the bacteria, between the carbon sources. You have very hard uh, biodegradable carbon source, which is the, the hormones. And on the other side, you have a lot of easy to eat 
carbon sources. So obviously the bacteria will choose the soft, we call it soft BOD or soft compounds to biodegrade. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong because now you, you are looking at the bacteria as something that can choose. I think the bacteria don't have any capability to choose. They evolve in, in the evolutions, biochemical process, enzymes. And once they are filling, once they are filling uh, the carbon source that they are using, they started to break it down. If there are another carbon sources, of course, they are using both but still they will work on this major path. But this was very easy to prove. In a tube, we put our bacteria in a tube with the sex hormone or a a steroidal hormone as a sole carbon source. And after a while, check the kinetic rate of the biodegradation. And then we, we took another tube, put it, the hormone and a glucose, which is considered very easy to biodegradate. What do you think was the results? Not significant. It's still breaking down significantly the hormones. So if you have the right bacteria targeting the right enzyme, there's no competition between uh, various reactions. You say something very important because if you have the right bacteria, what is the right bacteria? The right bacteria is the one that develop the capability to use this contaminant as a sole carbon sources, as a sole carbon sources, which means that it can take in the contaminants from estates up to mineralization into CO2 and provide a carbon source and energy by that. So you, we are back to your point about breeding the right bacteria. It's fascinating. It's really fascinating. <laughs> but I told you, don't get me started because... Uh, it's all about the bacteria. it's all about the bacteria so that's very interesting because you mentioned uh, Switzerland was targeting certain bacteria you mentioned California which is looking at one for dioxin and you have also now the the full PFAS story which is another another story and there's some specific lender in Germany which is also in in Sweden I mean it's it's really popping up right and left and of course the more we are going to go into reusing our wastewater the more it's going to be a a hot topic to, to deal with this uh, micropollutants. But I'll take a mental note here. Um, we have to make another deep dive on that another time. <laughs> Gabby Ophir, it, it was a pleasure to discuss your technology. I propose you to switch to the rapid fire question. Okay. It's time for the rapid fire questions. In that last section, I tried to keep the, the questions short and I'd be glad if you can take the, the, the answers short as well. But you're two, so choose if you have something to, uh, to take on, on each of the questions or if you want to share it or I'll let you, up to you. My first question is, what is the most exciting project you've been working on and why? That's for you, Ophir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everything is exciting because it's new. Uh, we are really excited in industry once we are developing a new process treatment. This is really exciting, especially when we see it, it succeed. Not all the, the study will be successful, but once you will see the success of a new treatment that no one done it before, this is really fulfilled. I can talk about the fish. <laughs> Growing fish is amazing. It's an amazing experience. And to be able to do it in a significantly different way than the world does it, 
amazing. We put the nitrification process inside the fish pool. No one in the world does such a thing. It's totally amazing. Well, I have a totally different experience about growing fishes. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's a different story, but I'm in a battle against a heron in my, in my region, which are just eating all my fishes. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. That, that, I don't want to sidetrack you here. <laughs> when I'm at it with you, uh, Gabby, what is your, your favorite part of your current job? Oh, I love working with startup companies. That's what I've been doing for the past 25 years, is taking ideas and turning them into uh, successful companies. That's what I did also in the, I've been doing in my previous uh, uh, work. And now with a field to take the uh, an idea or a product that he invented and to turn it into something commercial that really has an impact and not just something that sells, but to have a good impact on the environment um fills me up that does it for me i didn't ask in the deep dive but i should have so let me let me do it now i was discussing with with gaitang susne on that uh, on that microphone a couple of weeks ago and she was mentioning that the water industry is rich of startups and many startups and it's rich of majors there are some majors some even emerging but that, that's another topic but we are missing the scale-ups because uh, sometimes the majors see interesting startups and they buy them out or simply startups want to have an impact locally, but they don't go to that bigger scene. What is your ambition? And I don't think there, there's a wrong answer to that question, but, but what is your ambition? Where do you see Biocastle in five years? Biocastle in five years is probably going to have competition. <laughs> It's a good thing. That's, yeah, that says it all. That says it all. It just shows that the process is right. And if the process is right, then the industry for encapsulation, for macro encapsulation, is a correct way to go. And the world is going to acknowledge this kind of a technology and it's going to impact the environment uh, positively. And if that happens, then that means that we're going to go sky high. So the best thing I can wish you is to have competition. Yeah, you know, usually it's, a, it's not a good sign when you're the only one. <laughs> At the beginning, it's not a good sign. But, you know, I, it always goes back to when we went to learn marketing and we asked, why are all the shoe stores on the same street? That's because people know where to go to buy shoes. So they all locate themselves on the same street. And, it, and it's, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, we're not going to be alone here in any case. And the big uh, companies are going to continue dominating the markets in any case. So the more uh, this type of technology is acknowledged, then obviously uh, companies are going to go, going to start working in the same direction. And that means that we're in a good place to be. Then we have to be smart enough to keep our head above the water and to grow ourselves faster than everyone else and to be one step uh, in front with new uh, ideas, with new uh, developments and with new processes. And I think that that is what makes us a strong company is that we think out of the box. We're bringing new processes to the market, and that's what's going to keep us going. That's what's going to keep us in front of everyone else. I'm more a dreamer now. I'm more a dreamer. I want in five years that Biocastle will change the water industry world. Because if you, you are looking, this is an industry that's almost the only industry that experiences only upgrading of infrastructure, only large scale, just uh, enlarging scales, and not reduce 
reducing the infrastructure as we experience in all other uh, industries. So we, in this industry, we only experience in enlargement and increasing in energy demand. And Biocastle, this small company, want to opposite this direction to doing downscale things. We already done it. We extract much more for our infrastructure by 20%. And this is the direction to find a new ways to treat water, which cost less, which required less environmental resources, and still will have good quality of water, of product. Well, actually, and I beg you to believe me, I'm not trying to sidetrack you every second, but you mentioned you're looking for competition in five years and you, you want to, to have that, that big impact. I'm not sure competition is going to go one-to-one with you, but it looks like to me that several companies are looking at this activated sludge and think, hey, we can do that better. I'm thinking here of companies like you know, Nereda. I don't know if you, if you know them. That's interesting because activated sludge, I think it's from 1914. It's, it's more, more than 100 years old technology. So we need to upgrade. So uh, now you, you're hearing about granulated, activated sludge and everything. And why is the Gabi said that it's, it will be much more easy for us to have some competition? Because we don't have something to compare with. We are so advanced that there is nothing to compare. And this is hard to explain. Look, if you need to penetrate a market and you have to keep explaining the idea again and again and again, It makes it hard to penetrate. It makes it hard to go into. And when I said that I wanted competition, it's not that I want competition. I'm just saying that in five years from now, if there is competition, that means that we're very successful. <laughs> That's the idea. The penetration is very hard because we need to educate now the client itself because we're bringing something new, which is operated quite new, which reducing other things that... Uh, They are used to, to use it there for a lot of years. And you need to educate it that they, this, is, this type of technology is actually uh, working. Let me bring that back on track. I was the one to sidetrack, so I'm going to bring it on track. <laughs> What is the trend to watch out in the water industry? And you're not allowed to tell me encapsulating nature. What is the other trend to watch for? <laughs> yeah, the, the trends are now are uh, trying to use the bacteria in a dry state, in granulated state, in liquid with, uh, you know, bioreactor next to the bioreactor, which all the time feeding the bioreactor all around, all around solution. This is why we, I told you that we are far away from those solutions. We are bringing something which is quite new, quite different for this industry. And it's really to compare before, into other things. I want to take your question back to the beginning when you asked, are we treating water or breeding bacteria? I think that the trends are to try and breed bacteria better than people used to breed bacteria. I think that's, that's the, the major trend. How do you breed the bacteria in a better way so that you get better results? How do you renovate a 1912 concept? Think about it, uh, Anton. You're building all the engineering around the microbiology. So once you, you have the power to change the microbiology, all the engineering will change And this is what we do. We, we are changing the core treatment here. I take it as a trend. I mean, that sounds uh, like uh, 
a fascinating field at least. Um, do you have sources to recommend to keep up with water and wastewater market and news? We have a very good contact actually in, in global water data, right, Ophir? Yeah, we actually have a few academic uh, academic publications. Some of them in uh, one of them in water research, for instance, which is very high in having very high impact factor. So we, we, we bring in some experience academic and also in project itself. You can find it in our website at biocastle.com. Actually, I, I have to subscribe to that one because I, I've read through your website and I found very interesting stuff. So it's really, it's, uh, if you're into scientific papers, you have really cool scientific papers on your, on your website. So I would definitely recommend that. And I, I'm going to put the, the link in the, in the episode notes, of course. And which brings me to, to my last question. After both of you, which have been awesome guests, would you have someone to recommend me to invite on that same microphone? We have a sim. <laughs> I think I think we should give give a sim from uh, Global Water Data. He is a fantastic guy living in uh, I think he's in uh, Indonesia, and he just got promoted in his company, and he's on top of all the water data. But you know. If you want to have him on that microphone, tell him because I'm trying hard and uh, he keeps giving me oh, all the contacts him. and awesome people. <laughs> and uh, he really gives me really awesome guests, awesome suggestions, but he refuses to be himself on that microphone. So tell him, tell him he shall come on that microphone. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. Well, Gabby, Ophir, it's been a pleasure. I can only imagine what it could be to have even more lively discussions without the, the barrier of, of the, of the long-term distance. So I hope that we can have a follow-up discussion, the three of us around the same table. Thanks a lot for sharing all these uh, inspiring insights into something I, I wasn't aware of, this, uh, this way to bring nature to a new level, encapsulating nature. I mean, it's a strong marketing take, but it's also a very interesting take. So thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, talk to you in five years to see uh, if you achieved what you, you, you have in line. And <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Antoine. It was lovely talking to you. And I hope that we don't wait five years to talk again. <laughs> I hope we <I'm> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.